0: Let's give Trent a big hand. and.
1: Man, it's, these chairs are an invitation to sit down. But if I sit down, I'm going to be swiveling around, I think. You can push it down a little bit. Yes. How are y'all doing? I love Tuesday night. Do you love Tuesday
2: night?
1: Yes. Man. I remember last year we were here, I think it was. It was so wonderful. I just love to just study the word, don't you? And good to see you, Pastor, Bishop. Wonderful. You made it in from, where were you? Europe? Oh, my goodness. You're all over the place. Thank you for being here. And you know what? If he falls asleep... Don't say anything. <laughs> but if anybody else falls asleep, I'm going to point them out and everybody goes. Gonna... <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Isn't God good? Amen. Um, Mark asked me to teach on meditation, okay? So what we're going to do, everybody's going to get a spot on the ground and you're going to cross your legs. <laughs> hmm. No, I won't make you do that, <laughs> but we're going to get into the Bible, amen, amen, don't you love it? I just got it, got to looking at scriptures and just thrilling over the word, and I thought about this song, how many come from a church where you sing hymns, anybody? We have a few hymns, hymers, yeah. Well, there's an old hymn that I like the words to. And it says says this, more about Jesus. Anybody know that one? All right. Would I know more of his grace to others show, more of his saving fullness see, more of his love who died for me. How many want more? That's why you're here. Going to get more. How many know the word for uh, the sign language? Yeah, sign language is more. Okay, so when Mark gets in here, you you go. (laughs) Tonight you're going to just get some more. Just get some more. Amen. The second verse says, more about Jesus let me learn. More of his holy will discern. Spirit of God my teacher be, showing the things of Christ to me. More about Jesus in his word, holding communion with my Lord, hearing his voice hmm, in every line. Come on. You get to meditating, you hear his voice. Making each faithful saying mine. Isn't that good? More about Jesus on his throne, riches in glory all his own. More of his kingdoms, sure increase. More of his coming, Prince of Peace. And then the chorus says, more, more about Jesus. More, more about Jesus. More of his saving fullness, see. More of his love for who died for me. Amen. Amen. More about Jesus, Amen. So tonight, we're just going to get some more. Okay, so I know you got your Bible there, and we're going to turn it. Um, let me see. Ooh, where shall we begin? Where do we begin? Okay, okay. Father God, we just thank you for these students. We thank you that they have taken time today and they've devoted this, these hours to learning, to hearing, to knowing, to receiving, to doing, to acting on more of your word. And Father, I ask you to anoint me to teach. Holy Spirit, you are the teacher And you're present within us and you're inside of me. You help us to understand. You unfold and you encourage and you give examples. I thank you, Lord, that things that were cloudy will be made very clear. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 How many of you were really good in algebra? Oh, yes. Oh, I love those people that are good at math. I mean, our secretary, she did an algebra problem the other day. We were trying to figure out something. She said, oh, it's this. And it was algebra. I never knew you could use algebra in daily living. I thought it was only for school. Well, I did horrible in math because I could blame the rowdy class that I was in or I could blame the old teacher that I had or the stupid teacher that I had that turned his back and I couldn't hear him, and he just let us do whatever we wanted to do. Yeah. Or the other teacher that said, just just fill out your own work, uh, pages, your worksheets, and, and go grade them yourself Well, everybody graded their own. But you know what they did? They took the key and filled in all the answers. And then she, she graded on a curve. And I was way behind. Well, that wasn't fair. And then I had to take algebra. <laughs> ah, what am I gonna do? I prayed. And then I got in this class. Mr. McPherson was a teacher, and he had this beard, and he was good. He was serious, but he was kind of funny. And uh, kind of Mark. And um I determined to sit up front. I determined to focus. And to listen to everything from day one, guess what I did? I made A's. I made A's, and it was fun. Because I had a good teacher, and I listened, and I got it. And if we'll just listen, we got a good teacher. We have the Holy Ghost and he knows everything about us and he can speak our language. He knows where you've been, what you need. He knows, he authored the book. Amen. So he can, he can just spell it out there real easy and you're going to get it. And so places where maybe you have failed the test, you're going to pass the test. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know about you. I don't like to fail, and I have failed. But God always gives me another chance, and I'm so glad. Um, so the Word of God is our textbook, of course, and we're going to talk about meditating on the Word of God and how, how to do that and the results of doing that. And um, I can just say, quick testimony, Sunday morning, I gave my testimony of being healed from asthma, and I tell you what, it was directly from meditating in the Word of God, taking His Word like medicine, and I had to learn how to do that. Amen? So first, it's focusing. It's like eating. That's easy. We all know how to do that sometimes you have to eat those things you don't like. Right? But um, let's look at Jeremiah 15, 16 first. Let's start there. Jeremiah says, Your words were found, and I ate them, and your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. When your words showed up, the message Bible says, I ate them, swallowed them whole. What a feast. Jerusalem Bible says, When your words came, I devoured them like a dog. Wow. Your words are what sustained me, they are food to my soul. So here is a clear picture of the word of God being like food. And how it feeds you. How many were hungry uh, this morning? But you ate yesterday and you were full. Yeah. So we just continually eat. And that's how it is with the word of God. We meditate. We must. Because um, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It comes out of God's mouth. Right? Right? And it comes out of his mouth so that we could get it in our mouth. So it, Mark calls it mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, <laughs> right? Or it's like uh, the the food that a mama bird feeds to her baby bird. It came out of her mouth. She chewed it. Now the baby has it. And he's got it. Okay. So it's mouth to mouth. When you open your Bible, it's God. His words coming right out of him. Who is a spirit coming right into you? These words, Jesus said in John the sixth chapter, he said, my words are spirit and they are life. So they are fitted to you. Dogs eat dog food. We eat people food. Cats, they don't like much. They eat different kinds of things. Spiritual people eat spiritual food. And you know, it just, when you go to thinking about garbage, it just doesn't feel so good. But when you, like like Jeremiah said, I ate them. What a feast. When you hear the word of God, I mean, we've been getting the word of God. You get it every week. You get it all the time. Wow. It's a feast. And it's nourishment. Every food, you know, it should have some kind of nourishment in it. You know, as Mark and I get older, we realize, oh, we better really focus on the nourishment kind of food, you know. Not junk food. Because we need something that's going to come out of it. And as you chew it, the nutrients begin to come out with their saliva and all that. Meditation begins in your mouth. Just like eating begins when you start chewing you, chew, you break it down, you chew on it, and that's what we do when we begin to meditate in the Word of God. To meditate means to study. This is what it really means, to chew. Think over, ponder, hmm, excogitate, muse, reflect, mull over, and speculate. So you've taken it from just turning it over, thinking about it, and then you begin to speculate and you apply it to your situation. You see yourself in the picture, right? Amen. So it means this, um, to cogitate. How many know cogitate? All right, good. I get to teach you something new. Okay, cogitate means to think deeply. Think out, think up, dream up to hatch. All right, you getting the picture? Uh-huh. How does, how does an artist come up with something? There's something going on here in the imagination that comes out and then it's expressed with the pen or pencil or paint or whatever. It comes out in public and where everyone can see, full view. That's cogitate. Ex-cogitate means to invent or create mentally. Wow. We have a lot of inventors, right? I mean, creative people. We've got so many things going on. That's what's happening. They're sitting like, who is it that saw the apple fall? Yeah? And they got to thinking, hmm. Things fall. Things fall. What is it? They found the law of gravity. Right? So what, did that just happen? Oh, oh I saw something fall. No. You begin to capture that thing and start looking at it. Anything you start looking at begins to look back. Did you know that? I love Annette uh, Charles Cap's daughter. And she wrote this book. And it's um, Quantum Faith. And in it, she begins to talk about how that when scientists look through a microscope at um, uh, molecules, they're just going, and how an atom, you know, could just be swirling all the different parts. Do you remember all the parts? And Mark says a crouton. Okay, so all those parts are just moving around, moving around until you look at them. And once you look at them, they come together and look back. I'm saying everything has ears. Everything will respond to your voice or your attention. So when we give attention to the Word of God... My, my, my. Amen. Woo, God is creative. God is all powerful. God is love. God is wisdom. So when you put your mind upon his word, it starts to speak back to you. Amen? I remember going through the scriptures here in my book uh, on healing when I was going through an asthma attack. And as I began to look at those scriptures, they I, I remember one day... It was like they lifted off the page. They came alive to me. Praise God. And I tell you what, I would start at the beginning of my scriptures and go all the way to the end. Like I was taking a treatment. Took a little bit of time. But if we'll give a little time to meditating in the word of God, you will create your world. You will create your future. Amen. Hallelujah. And I did. I created a healed body. The Holy Spirit said this to me. He said, you remember, your cells rejuvenate. They change every seven years. So instead of your cells being allergic all the time, you're having all these histamines going off, meditate in the Word and see those cells being recreated with life in them, calm, unaffected, right? So I began to do that. That Holy Spirit told me to do that. And I imagine these little histamines in my system changing. And, you know, I did it with the Word of God. In the Word of God, Jesus says, you say to the mountain." Just like I said to the tree and it died. When you speak your words and you're focusing on what you're talking to. Things move. Things change. Because you're not just saying empty words. You're meditating on the word. And then you're speaking into your situation with God's word. Is that clear? Amen. Now. David was a meditating man, right? I love Psalm 1. Blessed is a man. Does anybody know that verse? Psalm 1 is awesome. Blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his what? Delighted. All right, everybody look delighted. Delighted. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, does he meditate when? Day and, Day and night. And the result of that is what? He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaves also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. So as you're meditating in the word of God, it's a spiritual exercise because God's words are spirit, right? John 6, I think 63. My words are spirit and they are life, Jesus said. And uh, as you meditate in them, you're doing what we talked about Sunday morning. Proverbs 4.20. My son, attend to my words. Proverbs 4.20 says, incline thy ear to my saying. Do you know that one? Yeah. Say it with me. Let them not depart from before your eyes. Eyes. So you're making contact with your eyes looking at the word. Right? Yeah. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. Amen. So finding, you want to be looking searching. Don't you like it? Don't you love Bible school? Because you're going, hmm, ah, God, you said that here, but you said this over here too. Okay, now, ah, I remember this story. Yeah, I'm going to find that. That's a great illustration for this. They are life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. So the result of that word is powerful. It's healing, it's, it's a blessing. Praise God. It'll take you from one place to another place. Praise the Lord. Joshua was a man of meditation, wasn't he? What did he, what did he say? What did Moses say to him? He said, um, this book of the law, Joshua 1.8. Does anybody know that one? This book of the law shall not depart out of your, where? Mouth. Mouth. But you shall meditate therein. I want you to read it with me. Thou shalt meditate therein. When? Day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Wow, we we always go, yeah, I want that good success. But to get to good success, we're going to go back to here. The book of the law. Oh, God's word. Where is it? Oh, it's in my mouth. I'm going to say it. I'm going to eat it. I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to, hmm. That's what meditate means. Hmm. Going to you know, turn it over. Cogitate. Hmm. Give some thought to it. Put it together. Get some illustrations. Yeah. Y'all shall meditate in day and night, Sunday and Sunday night. No? Day and night. So you can observe to do it. So when you meditate, there's a process that begins to happen. How many have ever done this? How many have ever been mad about something? True confessions. Okay. You got upset about something. And what would you do? You molded over. You started talking. Why did they do that? They left their stuff all over the floor again. I told them not to do that. And pretty soon, you have worked up a good... <laughs> what happened? That thought and those words began to move into your action. And your emotion. Right? And you were just acting out what you are meditating upon, right? I mean, we meditate all the time. If we're anxious about anything, we're worried, you know. That's meditation, but it's on the negative thing. What are we to do with those thoughts? We cast them down. Yeah, Second Corinthians 10, 4, and 5. Yes, what else? Hold them captive with the word. What else can we do with those kinds of thoughts? Where are we in anxiety? What do we do? We capture them? Cast the care. We're casting them down. Cast the care on the Lord. What else can you do according to Philippians 4, 6? Pray about it. Pray about each one. Pray about it. Oh, isn't that good? So those negative things you're meditating on, We could do and we have to do something with that. We got to get rid of that. Otherwise, we walk around manifesting the work of the flesh, which is anger, wrath, and they would get all upset. That's what we have. We don't want that. So what do we do with those anxious thoughts? It's just go to the Word. Just for a minute go over here to Philippians the 4th chapter I love the word cuz you know what it walks with you it it'll talk with you it's there and it sticks with you even when things are bad and that's when we really need it right yes. when things are not going so good when there is a struggle The word sticks with you. Amen. So it's so vital to every day make a habit of meditating on the scripture so that when the struggle comes, which is real, the word comes. Amen. And when the word comes, you got help. Amen. Whew. Hallelujah. Let's stop and say thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, Philippians 4, Paul's talking, you know, and he's addressing the church there in Philippi. And he's talking in verse 2. This is funny. He's talking to these two ladies in the church that did not get along. (laughs) Have you ever heard of anything like that in church? (laughs) Yeah. And it was upsetting everything, you know. And they were good workers. Paul needed them to work and not get mad. So he said, don't get mad at each other. Get along. And then he goes to verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord. Glad in yourself. And then uh, let your moderation be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. So Paul lived with a consciousness that Jesus is coming. And he lived with a consciousness that In him we live and move and have our being. He lived with that consciousness. I am a spirit. I am filled with the life of God. The Holy Spirit lives inside of me. He is with me. (laughs) We don't leave him at church. Like Mark said, don't put him in a box and leave him at church. No, he stays with us. And so I love these uh, instructions here that Paul gives us. And then he says, um, verse 6, what's it say? Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Okay, and he says in the Amplified, do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. Okay, fretting, fretting, that's meditating. In the negative, right? Have you ever caught yourself f- fretting? Fretting. Fretting. Praise God. If we will discipline ourselves every morning, getting in the Word, that'll help us direct our minds and discipline our minds. This is how we think. <laughs> but when those anxieties come and those opportunities come, which they come often, right? What are we going to do? He says, do not fret. We have a choice. And as we meditate on these scriptures, we learn and we train our brain. Don't think that way. So meditation is an exercise. Deep. On the inside, people can't see it, but they can see it when you don't or when you do. They can see the results of your meditation, right? So, um, meditation is a spiritual exercise where you're meditating, you know, like I've been doing, going to the book of First Corinthians and verse, chapter 13, meditating on the love scriptures. Because sometimes I can get out of hand. Nope. I'm going to meditate on love is kind. Love is patient. (laughs) Love is not rude. (laughs) Right? Love. Yeah. Thinks the best. Yeah. And what are you doing? You're training your brain. This is how we think. And as you meditate, you're eating God's word. And you are what you eat. And the thing about God's word, it is alive. It is powerful. It will perform whatever it is that, that you've just eaten. It will it'll come out. Amen. So, here, it says, don't be anxious. Don't fret and have anxiety about anything. Anything? No. Anxiety, anxious, all that, It that word literally means to choke. So, when we meditate negatively, it's like you're strangling yourself. You're choking yourself. Wow. But praise God for his thoughts that come down that are full of peace. Amen. So he says, Don't, when you're feeling that way, stop. Stop. And he says, In every circumstance, in everything, everything, by prayer and petition, by what? Definite request, the Amplified Bible says. Okay, so, you're meditating on the wrong thing. Get your eraser out. Erase each one of them. And begin to write down God's promise or write down your request to God. Make it clear. So, as you meditate on God's word, and you write down your request, your eyes begin to look at that request, and you put it in in God's hands. Right then. Amen. And God's promise to you as you pray about everything, (laughs) hallelujah, every circumstance, prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Okay, thanksgiving is this. Everybody, it's the lifted hand. Thank you. Thank you. Now, look what what happened. You just let it go. So you had that problem. You've been meditating on the wrong thing. There's something wrong. Well, we're going to get God's word. Hallelujah. His peace like a river is in my mind, my soul, my strength. He is my healer. Whatever the answer is, begin to put your mind on that. And then thank God. And lift up your hands. Something about doing, not just sitting there, but actually doing something. Thank you, Lord. You heard me. Thank you. Thank you. It's in your hands. This is my mom's secret. Would you like to know? Okay. My mom just went to heaven, lived to 88 years old. Uh, She's a wonderful lady. But this is what she taught us. She said, now, if there's something you've been uh, anxious about, worried about, upset about, she said, maybe somebody has hurt you, wronged you, you need to forgive them, whatever it is. She said, write it down. Put it in the Lord's hands. Get it on a piece of paper. Seal it. She said, I got an old family Bible, and I stuck it in the middle of that Bible. And I put it up on the shelf. She says, okay, now, Lord, it's in your hands. And every time I think about it, I'm going to remember that that problem is done. It's in your hands, and it's in the Bible. It's in your hands. Amen? So that was something she taught us that we could release. The issue, the negative meditation, mm-hmm. and then we have the exact opposite meditation. Let's look at it. The next verse. What's it say? And God's peace, verse seven. And God's peace. Let's look at it in the King James. Well, I don't know. I like the seven. I like. The, let's do. The, keep it in the Amplified. All right? God's peace shall be yours. That tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ. Everybody look tranquil. (laughs) That tranquil state. Hallelujah. This is supernatural. When you put things in God's hands, hallelujah, and you set your mind on him, there is something that he does. And you turn your meditation from the anxiety, the problem, and you turn it into a request, you put it in God's hands, hallelujah, there's something that God will do right then. And God's peace shall be yours, that tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ so fearing nothing from God and being content with every, with its earthly lot of whatever sort that is, that peace, listen, which transcends all understanding, shall garrison and mount guard over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I'm giving you something to meditate on today, and you're gonna chew this. We're gonna write it down. Come on, there's, there's a process when you want to get something in your brain. You'll look at it, just like we talked about, and then you go another level. Write it down. And it's good, you know, your, your electronic things are good, but I see a lot of you writing. And there's something about taking that pen or pencil and doing, your writing, and you're making an impression on that paper, but you're not only making an impression on that paper, you're making an impression on your mind, amen, Amen. and so your mind might go in these cycles, but we're changing the cycles, hallelujah, Hallelujah. glory to God, (laughs) amen, and then you want to say it, you want to look at it, what you wrote, do you ever review your notes, yeah, that's good, that's another, do you? (laughs) All right, yeah, your reviewing will stamp it inside you, amen? So you review it, you can look at it with your eyes, but if you review it out loud, then you're following Proverbs 4, 20 to 22. Say it out loud. Review it out loud. Say the answers out loud, praise God, and repeat them often. And now meditation is that repeating, remember? And the droning now in the um, Hebrew tradition. How close am I to being finished? Almost. uh, In Hebrew places, have you ever been to Jerusalem? Anybody? Did you go to the wall? Oh, don't you love it? Did you see some of those Jewish people with the black clothes and, and, you know, and have you ever seen them doing this? Yeah. Okay, that's what they're doing. They're meditating. Have you ever caught yourself doing that? Yes. Oh, I know. I, I get in the Word and i mm-hmm. I go, ooh. <laughs> and so what they're doing is the Spirit-Filled Life Bible has this note in it. I like that, that Bible. It's a wonderful. Haggah, that's the Hebrew word. For meditation, it haggah represents something quite unlike the English meditation, which may be a mental exercise only. In Hebrew thought, to meditate upon the scripture is to quietly repeat them in a soft droning sound. Hmm. Or a song sound. That's what David did a lot. While utterly abandoning outside distractions... From this tradition comes a specialized type of Jewish prayer called davening, which that is reciting texts, praying intense prayers, or getting lost. That's old Pentecostal term. Getting lost in communion with God while bowing or rocking back and forth. <laughs> Hallelujah. You and God's word just got one. You became one. Oh, what he said and what you believe and what you say, it's all together. Praise God. You're lost in that spirit. You're lost in that thought that came from God's mind. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo, this is dynamic. This will explode. Yeah. Second Corinthians ten four and 5, it'll explode. Learn discourses in your brain. Highfalutin thoughts, one translation says. It'll just break it all down. Hallelujah. The Word of God is powerful. It'll, it'll stand up against whatever you were raised hearing. You blankety-blank, whatever. No, the Word will totally change your inside voice. Hallelujah. How many have listened to a song over and over and over, and then when you wake up in the morning, it's there? Yeah. 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 And it's singing to you. It's singing to you. And as we meditate on the word of God and sing His songs, hallelujah, worship Him, you go to sleep in that way and you wake up in that way. Hallelujah yeah. It just make you happen. And you just fall in love with Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm going to give you some verses just for you to take and meditate on. I don't have time to go into all of them. But David said, Psalm 5 and verse 1, Give ear to my words, O Lord. Incline. Come on, God's hearing your voice. Incline thine ear. But No, no, no. Wait, i got to read it. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider. My meditation. Consider means you've you're, 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 you got a telescope. You're really focusing. on God's focusing on what you're meditating on. Amen. Consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God. For unto thee will I pray. What's it say? My voice shall thou hear in the morning. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee, and I look up. Come on, there's a lot right there. Hallelujah. He hears your your meditation. That meditation there has a part of the meaning is groaning. So that could go into groaning in the spirit, you know, that sounds that come out of your spirit when you begin to meditate on the Word of God and you get filled with the Holy Ghost. Oh, hallelujah. Psalm 19, oh, that's such a beautiful chapter. Talking about the Word of God. David said, he said, Psalm 19, the law of the Lord is perfect, in verse 7, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Say it with me. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Next verse, more to be desired are they than gold, yea, the much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Woo! I love that. And then the next verse says, moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. And the last verse. Verse in this chapter, verse 14 says, Let the words of my mouth, you say it with me, and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Wow. That's a prayer that I pray a lot. Let's say it again. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Psalm 49, 3 and 4 is amazing. It says this. My mouth shall speak wisdom, and the meditation of my heart shall be understanding. I will submit and consent to a parable of Proverb, to the music of a lyre. I will unfold my riddle. So what he said, David said, I'm going to get my guitar out. I'm going to sing your word. And as I sing your word, my problem will get untangled. And and mysteries will unfold. And as you hunger for the word of God and as you sing that word, it begins to open up. God doesn't want to keep all his treasures locked up. He wants to unfold them to you. And as you hunger after them and sing them, whew, they'll unfold. Praise God, they'll open up. Psalm 119, 97. The whole chapter is amazing. But that verse says, Oh, how love I thy law. It's my meditation, how long? All day. Go down to verse 99, just two, two verses. I have more understanding than all my teachers for thy testimonies are my meditation. Amen. So how many desire, you would not be in this school <laughs> and taking this time, making it serious, if you didn't want to go better, go further, go higher, reach and your faith work, be more victorious and healthier and prosperous. and Right? And, and maybe you want to Minister. How many want to minister to others? Yeah. Well, you're in the right place. <laughs> Amen. First Timothy 4.15, Paul told Timothy, and this is our last verse, and he told Timothy this scripture. Thank you for helping me out back there. You're doing a good job. Meditate upon these things. Paul had talked to Timothy in that book, told him a lot of practical things. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them that thy profiting may appear to all. Profiting means progress, advancement, profit. And it will appear. It will manifest. And sometimes you're not even aware. You know how your kids grow through the summer? You don't even know how much. You know, they must, yeah. But you try to put their school clothes back on. And, yeah, they ain't fit. <laughs> you're growing. You're growing. Amen. You're making progress. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Keep on meditating in what you've learned. Keep on giving yourself wholly to it. And you're profiting. It'll show up right when you need it. Yes. I want to give you a compliment because I was just thinking while we've been here, Mark has been preaching like, "Ah." he doesn't do that everywhere. He can't. But you know what what he's talking about. And you're right there with him. You know why? Because you've been doing what the scripture says. Been meditating on the scriptures. You've been giving yourselves to them. I want to congratulate you. (laughs) It's working. And you're going up more levels than ever. Amen? The promise that Joshua said is success. Well, Moses told him, you'll have success. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Lift up your hands. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's sealed in our hearts. Lord, there's so much that you're doing. Hallelujah. Thank you for the revelation knowledge given by the Holy Ghost. It's God-breathed. Thank you you send your word just when we need it. Thank you, we grasp it, we understand it, we practice it, we meditate upon it, and we teach it to others. Thank you, and we're blessed. Hallelujah, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. I'm going to give you, I think, a 10-minute break, okay? And then Mark, get right on back in here, because he's going to be ready to go, okay? Y'all are good students.
0: All right, uh, 2 Corinthians four thirteen, and the uh, pastor asked me to teach on the spirit of faith, spirit of faith. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13 is where we get that phrase, the spirit of faith. So that would let you know that faith is a spiritual force, and also it is a spiritual law. Or Romans 3.27 says that faith is a spiritual law. Um, Dad Hagen would say something like this, a man gets what he believes for in life, nothing more, nothing less. In other words, not all up to God what you have in life. That's right. <clears throat> and so if it was all up to God, Jesus never would have said Mark 11.23, who shall ever say? never would have said Mark 11.24, whatever you desire when you pray. And so you and I have our, our place and our part in receiving from God. Amen. So second Corinthians 4:13 Paul said, And if you'd ask Paul what does he have? He said we have the same the same spirit of faith. According as it is written I believed and therefore have I spoken. He said we also believe and therefore speak. So Paul simply says that the spirit of faith has two main ingredients. Number 1 is believe. I believe I believe God. I believe the word of God. So I'm a believer, but he said also we speak. So to have a spirit of faith, it takes uh, the believing and the speaking. And uh, even the devil don't care what you believe if you'll be quiet about it.
2: Yeah. That's
0: right. right. So the speaking part of faith is essential. But Paul says that's what we have as the same spirit of faith. Well, it's good to know that uh, he said, to Timothy, God's not giving us a spirit of fear. Amen. Yeah. Amen. He said, we have a spirit of faith. God's not giving us a spirit of fear, uh, but a power of love and a sound mind. So uh, there's um, so many fears listed that if you have my book on the spirit of, spirit of faith back there, then I've got uh, several pages on of uh, the different kinds of phobias or fears. And there's a, there's a whole list of them. I couldn't even give you the whole list of the different fears that people have. Yeah. All kinds of fears. The psalmist David, though, said, uh cried to the Lord, and he delivered me from all my fear. Yeah. Amen. So it's, it, it is possible to live free yeah. Yeah. from fear. Amen, to not be intimidated or tormented, you know, by fear. Amen. And so he. Paul says what we have is the same spirit of faith, and uh, that's really what made Paul tough.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Spirit of faith gives you a mental toughness. Yeah. Uh, and you can have muscles, but if you collapse in your mind, Fear, and so Paul had a tremendous uh, mental toughness uh, that he tells some of the things he went through that he uh, was uh, beaten with with rods, and then how many times? Three times, five times, beaten with thirty nine stripes, and then uh, people the the torture. The shipwrecks that he went through, the snake bites, and all the, the challenges that Paul went through. And, uh, and yet, Paul never did collapse. He never Amen. quit. Amen. 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 And so, you have to, the spirit of faith, just don't quit. Yeah. In other words, you're tough, not just physically, but you're tough on the inside, yeah. Yeah. mentally and emotionally. Come on, because you can have all kinds of stuff happen. And you still show up. Yeah, that's right. yeah. So Paul here is quoting from the psalmist David. Psalmist David, uh, when he said, According as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. He's quoting from David. So you'd have to say David, that's what he had was spirit of faith. I mean, um, 17 years old, killing a giant. But before that, he killed a bear and he killed a lion uh, just with his hands. Yeah. Pretty awesome to even do that with a rifle. <laughs> but he did it with his hands, right? And uh, <laughs> I went to moose hunting up in the Yukon territory a few years ago, and uh, got me a big trophy uh, moose that's up in my house. And so uh, we, but we were actually grizzly bear hunting. So, uh, usually you get your moose, and then, you know, uh, the grizzly bears will smell it, and they'll come around and get on the carcass, and you can, you know, get you a grizzly bear. But uh, my my wife is praying that we would not even see a grizzly bear. So, um, apparently her prayers prevail. So, it was a little frustrating, but... Uh, Um, I had one guide with me, and then we had some challenges, you know, and got stuck in a river. And and so I had to follow the animal trail to our little cabin on the side of a mountain while the sun was going down. And so I'm on the animal trail with uh, my rifle ready to fire all the way down. And in my mind, I'm going through the scenery of what's going to happen if I make the next turn. And the bear's there. What am I going to do? So I'm just like going through the motions of what exactly I'm going to do because they ain't going to find me dead and say he never got a shot off. No, he will get some shots off, I mean. <laughs> so so um, uh, imagine killing a bear or a lion, fearless like that. So when he faced Goliath, He sounded totally different than everybody else. I mean, he said, what made him different? Well, he showed up with what? Spirit of faith. Paul said that we have the same thing that David had. In other words, the spirit of faith is the same. And the spirit of faith really is, you could call it a spirit of victory. Spirit of victory. Or you could say spirit of faith will take the whine out of your voice. Yeah, so, sometimes people, you know, even Christians, they'll, you know, confess the word or talk about, you know, how powerful God is. But they, the whine never leaves their voice. Uh, I don't know. Some people actually think that uh, they would rather have sympathy than respect. Y'all say, in other words, you get sympathy if you whine long enough. You know that. People say, poor old me. But if you want to live with respect in the world, you can't sell out for sympathy. Yeah. Are y'all still here? So you yeah, have a spirit of faith. will take the victim out of your voice and the whine out of your voice. And so Paul said the spirit of faith has these two ingredients as I believe and I speak. Right? And so the spirit of faith is more than just a formula it is a spiritual force or power. Right? And so the psalmist David said in Psalms 18, he said, The Lord will light my candle. Then I can run through a troop, leap over a wall. And then I'll chase my enemies down and trample them under my feet and they'll never rise again. So the spirit of faith is a major attitude. All right, let's see if we can work on your attitude because I mean... I mean, it don't matter. You know how big your muscles is, or how smart your brain is. If you get if you get whipped in your attitude, yeah, that's true. That's good. Yeah. So we got to work on your attitude. Spirit of faith is a major attitude. Amen. 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 Not of arrogance. Come on, but of confidence. And, and even Jesus had this attitude. I mean. Jesus was constantly confessing and declaring his identity, his destiny, where he came from, where he's going. My favorite quote from Jesus probably is in, in uh, John where he says, my father is greater than all. Amen. They said, we're going to do this to you and we're going to do that to you. And Jesus said, you must not know who my daddy is. My father. How I many of y'all know who your father is? Well, that's, that's where the spirit of faith begins. My father is greater than all. Amen. So, so Jesus not only knew that, but he, he confessed that. He was constantly declaring, come on, his identity. Come on, his destiny. And so a lot of times people say, well, I just want to follow Jesus. Well, if you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to have to have a bold confession of who you are, where you came from, and where you're going, and there ain't nobody going to stop you. Amen. Amen. Y'all still here? So the apostle Paul, he said, what we have is the same spirit of faith. And he said, so David said, the Lord will light my candle. When he said, the Lord lights my candle. So the spirit of faith is more than a formula. Really, it's a fire. Amen. Amen. So... It's different than information because when you receive the word revelation, amen, because when Jesus, they come on disciples on the road to Emmaus, what happened? It says Jesus went through the scriptures and told them who he was, showed them the scriptures about his death and resurrection. What did the disciples say? Did not our hearts burn within us while he opened the scriptures to us? All right, let's just try this side over here. Come on. Because come on, if the scriptures, the word of God open to you, it should make your spirit come on burn. There should be some fire on the inside of you. So that means it's more than just doctrine and theology. It kinda it's a fire that lights up your inner man. Amen. So he says, the Lord will light my candle. We know that the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. So he said, the Lord will light my candle. And so he said, then I can run through the troop and I can jump over a wall. So a lot of times people, they run at the wall and hit the wall. (laughs) And then they won't even try again because of failure. Come on, disappointment, right? But he said, the Lord will light my candle. Then I can run through the troop. Then I can jump over the wall. Then I'll chase the enemy down. Then I'll trample him underneath my feet, and he will never get up again. Well, I'm telling you, you're talking about attitude, man. I mean, we got an attitude here, and that is I'm not just going to run you off. I'm going to chase you down and stomp you. I'm going to whoop you and your kids and grandkids. In other words, it's going to take you back. So so there was a certain boldness with David. Amen. But he said that happened when the Lord will light my candle. So a lot of times you have to wait till your candle gets lit. You say, well, how will I know when it's lit? You know when it's lit because, I mean, your fire burns in your heart and there's a desire and a dream. What, that you don't have to spend the rest of your life in these limitations? Yeah. Come on, or in this bondage, or yeah. intimidated by this or that. And so your candle gets lit and you say, boy, I'm going to chase the devil down and stomp him. Yeah. And so David, that was his attitude, right? Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. So you, you just kind of have a boldness like that. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Spirit of faith. So certainly you're not arrogant, but there is a definite boldness that you boldly say the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. So it's not like you're just kind of whining a scripture, you know. that. Oh, what are you going to say with boldness now? Amen. Amen. And so the spirit of faith is really lit with what you and I call uh, revelation knowledge. Revelation knowledge is the most dangerous Information in the world. he yes. yes. yes, yes, said. what do you mean it's dangerous? Well, once you have revelation knowledge of the word of God, revelation knowledge gives you inside information. Amen. Right? Amen. So the apostle Paul said, because of his abundance of revelation, a messenger of Satan was sent to attack me constantly. Why? Because he was carrying revelation knowledge, which you would say this information, holy information, revelation knowledge, he's carrying of the gospel of Christ that is really the the message that changes the whole world. I like to say this information will change a nation so China and Russia more afraid of the gospel than they are of the U.S. military. Come on, you send a thousand missionaries into China. Are y'all still here? Come on, because, man, they're trying to, I mean, I was just trying to get into Pakistan, you know, just a couple years ago. And they found out I was a preacher. They shut me down. You ain't coming in here, man. You say, why? Because I am dangerous, man. You say, what do you mean? I'm carrying the gospel of Christ, which is the power of God, unto salvation. It's a revolutionary revelation that will change your life and change your family. Come on, it'll change the way you think. It'll change your whole life. Amen. Amen. So your your prayer with a spirit of faith, your prayer is simply the Ephesians 1 prayer. Right? So if you want to carry a spirit of faith, which I call uh, possession with intent to distribute, right. <laughs> you know, the spirit of faith is really, you're not just getting enough for your own personal youth. In other words, you're not just barely getting enough faith in the word, you know, so you can have victory. Come on, you're really getting enough. It's going to affect your family, your neighbors, your job, and people that are around you. You're carrying that spirit of faith. Yes. And so uh, the source of the spirit of faith or the source of faith. So sometimes you, I every once in a while hear a preacher, you know, say, well, faith is just faith. And how much of a faith you got faith. You don't have to increase in faith and you don't need to. You just got faith and you got to measure faith. Well, uh, what is the substance of faith? is revelation knowledge.
2: Amen. Amen.
0: That's right. In other words, faith is a substance of your dreams and desires. Right. But what's the substance of faith? Revelation. The substance of faith is faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So the word is what gives the substance to your faith. Yeah. Right. So a lot of times people say, well, you just got faith, you got faith, don't matter how much faith you got. But actually, if you could grow in revelation knowledge, all right, well, try this. I hope you're not stuck at where you're at, but if you could grow in revelation knowledge, then you could actually grow in faith and get better results this year than you got last yes,
2: year. come on. That's good.
0: You understand? So sometimes you say, well, don't seem like my faith is working, but actually you can grow in faith because you can grow in revelation knowledge. You all know, still so here? So the prayer that you and I would pray to, to live with a spirit of faith would be what? Ephesians chapter one. That, that's your prayer. You're saying, Father God, and this is, I learned it from Dad Hagan when I was 17, and I just did what Dad Hagan said. You know, and so I'm not smarter than nobody else. I just followed instruction. Amen. Amen. What were the instructions? Well, Dad Hagen said, take the Ephesians one prayer, And pray it every day for at least six months. At least once a day, but preferably more than once a day. So I was 17 years old, so I got my pen out. I wrote that down. I'm going to pray this prayer more than once a day. You know, usually twice a day, maybe three times a day for at least six months, and I'll not miss one day. So that's what he said. He said, pray it every day. Don't miss a day. He said, if you if you start missing a day or two, then you're really not that serious about it. He said, if you're not serious about it, it won't work for you. Still here? So I just did what he said. So I took Ephesians 1 prayer, verse, what is it, 617 through verse 23. And I wrote it down on a card. King James on one side. Back in those days, kind of the only other translation we had was the Amplified, so I put the King James on one side, put the Amplified on the other side, and I just carried it around in my back pocket, man, back in those days, you know. I had bell-bottom blue jeans and had platform shoes, you know, that sit up about three or four inches like that, and had, had Afro hairdo, come on, had patches everywhere, and I weighed about 165 pounds, come on, and so... But you want want, 17, pull the card out. Father God, I'm asking you. I'm asking you. Now, the Bible says ask and keep on asking. Knock, keep on knocking. Now, he's not telling you to ask and keep on asking because you're not getting no results. He's telling you to ask and keep on asking because you will get results, but you will still get more and better results if you'll keep on asking. That's right. Are y'all saying, so in other words, you don't just keep asking and knocking, you're saying, I ain't got nothing, you know, in 38 years. No, he's saying you ask, come on, and keep on asking because you will be receiving because everyone that asks receives. Well, if that includes who? Everyone, then... You ain't going to miss in this deal. So you don't even have to come up with your own prayer. Praise the Lord. So you pray. Here is your prayer. Father God, here's what I'm asking. Ephesians chapter 1. So really, uh, this is what you'd call Paul's prayer for believers. When I used to think the biggest problem that believers had was dedication. I used to think that's my biggest problem. So I thought, well, my biggest problem dedication. You know what dedication means? You know, you come to church, hear a good sermon. on, like, you need to pray more. And I'd say, well, you know, probably. And I wish I did. But I just don't. I have plans to on Sunday, but somehow on Monday, Tuesday, I don't know what happens. My dedicator broke or something. So they didn't to pray more, you know, you need to love more, you need to forgive more, and all kinds of stuff. And I'm like, you're right, praise the Lord. So I thought my biggest problem is I'm just not dedicated enough, right? And so I came across Paul's prayer, and he didn't even pray for dedication. All right, let's try this. Ephesians 1 prayer is not for dedication. How many are glad about that? So here's the prayer. Father God, I'm asking you that you would give unto me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. In other words, your dedication is fueled by your revelation. A real lack of revelation, and that's why your dedicators messed up all the time. Because <laughs> once you get revelation of the power of prayer, come on. Are y'all still here? In other words, so Father God, I'm asking you to give me what? Well, I need a, you know, I need a house, I need a refrigerator, I'd like to have a new Corvette. Come on, I'd like to have. <laughs> Gulf Stream five. So, so there's a lot of things you you could ask God for, but really Paul's prayer is simply, I'm asking you to give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation and Because once you get that, you can just get anywhere you need to go from there. Amen. Yes, I said, you can just get anywhere you need to go. Right. Amen. Amen. So he says the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Then he said, the eyes... The eyes of your heart flooded with light. The eyes of your heart. So the spirit of wisdom and revelation, how can you tell that it's happening? He said it affects your eyes. The eyes of your heart flooded with light. Y'all still here? So now faith comes by hearing and hearing, but revelation knowledge affects how you see. Yes. Thank you. When you're reading a word, what you see, other people don't see what you see. That's right. That's <laughs> the way you see yourself, come on, the way you see yourself. So he says, I'm gonna really change the way you see. The eyes of your heart are gonna be flooded with light Amen. so you can know what is the hope of his calling what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world but also in that which is to come and he put all things under his feet, gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. Amen. Come on, so you start getting that look in your eyes. Come on, and sometimes when you see the possibilities exceeding great power that raised Christ and belong to every believer, you get a little bit of a a wild-eyed look. It's kind of like... Because there ain't no power shortage here. All right, let's try that. I said there is no power shortage at all. In other words, it's power that release towards us who believe, but it's not enough to just be a believer, so to speak. You have to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge because that's where your faith comes from. So what would your prayer be? Father God, I'm asking you. How often are you going to do that? Well, you can do it King James on one side, do the Amplified on the other side, and then you can throw in some (laughs) other translations if you want, but I like to kind of just stick with a couple ones, and then I just pray that prayer, and you do that uh, every day for at least six months is what he said. Right? And the eyes. Come on, your eyes. Come on. You know what they say, hey, lights on, nobody's home. You know. In other words, there's some people they just like You in other words, you just quit sloppering on yourself, you know, and you and you start coming alive with a fire. You get lit on the inside. Wonder what the call of God is for my life. I wonder yeah. what He's called. Wonder what kind of inheritance is available that belongs to me, and I wonder what kind of power, tremendous power, that belongs to us who believe. Come on, that is yeah. devil yeah. defeating power, yeah. and so you chase the enemy down and yeah. trample him underneath yeah. your feet. Come on, so we work on your attitude. Yeah. Yeah. Praise the Lord. So, the spirit of faith, first of all, affects your attitude. (laughs) All right, so, Victor Frankl, you know, I got a quote from Victor Frankl. (laughs) So, I got a quote. (laughs) Is that really necessary? Anyway, so, I got a quote from Victor Frankl. How many different views can you get before you come up with a good one? I mean, it shouldn't take that long to get at least one decent shot of me, right? Let me do this. Let me do this. Go. Okay, now go to the back and leave me alone. So now. <laughs> So, if y'all see that later, you're like, I know what happened there. <laughs> so, the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of God simply means you begin to understand how God works. Amen. And uh, the Lord told me one time He said, Just because you know how faith works does not mean you know how I'm going to do your miracle. In other words, you can learn the ways of God, but you don't know how he's gonna do what he's got planned for your life. It can come through the door, the ceiling. It can come through the floor. It can come through the most unusual sources. It's my job just to have a spirit of faith. I believe, I speak, and let God be God. Come on, he's the God. Almighty God. Amen. 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 All right, now that's a good point right there, see? So Viktor Frankl, he a Nazi concentration camp survivor. And you can imagine the torture in the concentration camp. I mean, we preached in Germany and Austria and went to the the concentration camps where the uh, Jews were held, and how many people died of diseases? How many many died during the uh, World War II? How many Jews died? I mean, millions. So, he's a survivor. And uh, the living conditions, the food, lack of food, and the, the torture, the way the soldiers would talk to them. I mean, I mean, when World War II was over, they're, they're hunting down these guys. So, they tortured them. So, how are you going to survive? Come on. You get a little bit of bread. Come on. How are you going to survive? I mean, day after day being in this kind of torture. Well, it's a lot easier just to give up. Let's try that again. I said it's a lot easier just to give up. But if you give up, they win.
2: That's right.
0: So... He said, uh, the last of all human freedoms is the ability to choose one's own attitude regardless of circumstances. Yes. In other words, they had him, you know, in a barbed wire and they had him in there with no clothes and freezing and the food and the, and the diseases. He said, but the, the last of all human freedoms, that means you can take away all my freedom, but I still have this freedom. I can choose my own attitude. So he said, I refused to allow my attitude to become hopeless. He said, because I could see my friends, and when you saw that look on their face, you knew that the Nazis really didn't have to kill them. They actually would stop eating and they would really commit suicide or run into a fence. Man, if the, if the devil could whip you anytime he wanted, you'd be dead already. Come on, he can't whip you anytime he wants to whip you. Come on, now, you have authority as a believer. When you find out the kind of authority that you have as a believer and it starts affecting your attitude, come on, that you won't be a victim no more of what anybody has to say or how they look at you. Amen, so the spirit of faith affects what? Your attitude. y'all still here well we preach a lot in prisons you know and when I was pastoring we went to 30, 30 different prisons every month so we had a network of men and we took the books in on faith and who you are in Christ and so a lot of prisoners in there got the gospel so we'd go to 30 a month so we'd come in we'd we'd meet the warden you know and we'd come in and do a service pass out the books you know and then we had the team that did that also so uh So so he showed us some of the artwork and some of the things that the prisoners did. And we were like, this is phenomenal. These people that are held here in this prison, they are tremendously talented. Smart, creative, brilliant people held in prison. He said, oh, they do not lack for talent. They lack for purpose. Are y'all still here? In other words, self-inflicted, self-sabotage behavior. Yes. Are y'all still here? Yeah. Come on, because I'd go into prison when the guys would, I was, I was uh, younger back in those days, so I'd go in there, so I'd preach to them, and they'd, they'd start hollering at me, hooting, hooting, and hollering, and I'd just keep preaching. Yeah. And finally, I got mad, you know, the guys kept hooting and hollering. And I just said, what, what you laughing about? You, you laughing at me? You think you're laughing at me? You're going to mock me for coming in and tell you about Jesus? How can you laugh at me? I'm not in here. You in here. I'm not in there. Looks to me like you're the one. Because I'm fixing to walk out. You're going to stay in here. So don't be laughing at me. You need to hear about Jesus. Because every time you say, I'm getting out of here and I'm never coming back, but you come back every time. Seems to me that somebody's making a fool out of you and you're too dumb to know it. I said, and let me tell you who that is. That would be the devil who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And I dare you to stand up to the devil, and you'll never be able to stand up to the devil unless you know about the blood of Jesus and know who you are in Christ. Then you will no longer destroy yourself. That's Come right. on. Come on. How many you like to refuse to destroy yourself? Self-defeating behavior. In the way you talk and the way you think about yourself, but when you get revelation knowledge, come on, on. that affects the way you see, and now your whole attitude.
2: Woo! Amen.
0: And then when thoughts come or think, the devil say, "Now ain't that something?" And you just say, "Oh, that wasn't my thoughts to start with. It was yours. So don't try to blame me on it." (laughs)
2: That's right.
0: Right? they'll say if you if you was a Christian, you wouldn't be thinking like that. I said, "Well, my thoughts start with you." Your thought, you gave it to me, and I'm telling you, I re- I resisted. Right. All right, let's go back and pray this prayer here. All right, I, so you said, "What are you working on?" Well, first of all, you're going to have to work on your attitude. Yeah. Come cool. on, any of y'all got kids?
2: Yeah.
0: Yes. yes. You can notice attitude starts showing up real young. Right, and so you're going to have to deal with that attitude because yeah. you don't want that thing to to, to grow That's right. to fifteen, amen. so we're going to have to deal with that right now at three years old and four years old, we're going to talk to you about your attitude, right. yeah. your attitude towards authority. Right. Well I'm we'll keep going here. we're going to talk to you about your attitude. amen, right. hey, you don't like to close the door, well they can put you in a place where they'll close the door for you. <laughs> And some people actually uh, don't really grow up, they just grow old. Come on, they've never confronted the basic attitudes that they have in life that make them feel like they're a victim or they're helpless or they're hopeless. And so they have self-sabotage behavior, the way they talk, the way they act towards themselves. But when you get the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God and the eyes of your heart are flooded with light and you see what God has done for you in Christ and the power of the blood and the tremendous power that raised Christ from the Dead towards us who believe. You're like, I am not powerless here. I am not a victim here. So the spirit of faith comes from the spirit of wisdom revelation. Yes. Now, um, one of my favorite stories, I guess if you have the book on the spirit of faith, you got one right here. What's your name? Tracy. You are smart, Tracy. You got this book. <laughs> So, in this uh, Spirit of Faith book, which uh, we're teaching really all this week on uh, Brother Copeland's program, me and Trina and Brother Copeland. And so, uh, one of my favorite stories in here. There's so many good stories in here. I'm like, man, God bless this guy. Who is he? I'm a son, is he? I need to send him an offering. Where is he? Anyway, I'm, I'm cutting up. And one of my favorite stories, and I can't seem to find it right now, maybe you can find it for me, is about uh, Chuck Yeager. You know the story about Chuck Yeager? Chuck Yeager was the first man to break the sound barrier. Uh, I don't know. I I don't think he's still alive. But uh, we were uh, preaching in West Virginia, and he was at a a World War II um, event where they had the planes and stuff. And he was 98 years old in a wheelchair, and so, you know, we really wanted to get a picture with Chuck Yeager. I mean, he's like a famous first man to break the sound barrier as far as we know, unless Elijah did when he outran the King's chariot. So, um, Chuck Yeager. <laughs> yeah. trying to find it. So, so Chuck Yeager. <laughs> you know, right after World War II, so we were in a, really an uh, information time to against Russia, Soviet Union, to see whose first person could land on the moon, right? Right. And so to do that, you're gonna have to get a rocket out of this atmosphere. So to do that, you're gonna Mm -hmm. have to go Mach 1. And because if you can go Mach 1, then you're gonna have to go Mach 2. So Chuck Yeager, they, they're looking for a pilot. You know, these test pilots don't really have a long life expectancy <laughs> because they're, like, practicing on them, you know, to see uh, on the new jets. And so, you know, they're, getting, they're dying all the time. And so, so they asked Chuck Yeager, would you, would you fly this X-1 and see if you could go Mach 1? And, and uh, he said, oh, yeah, I'll do it. And they said, well, how much of a bonus because the pilots were requiring you know, $10,000 bonus. He said, you don't need to give me no bonus. He said, "I'm already getting paid." Well, I said, "Well, great. We got a you know we got a live one here." So, <laughs> so they they put him in the X1. If you go to Washington D.C. to the what the aviation uh, museum there, and, and that X1 is hanging in the seat, orange, and what do you call it? Uh, glamorous Glennis. That was his wife's name, Glennis. So, uh, and they take him up forty thousand feet, and then they would uh, uh, fire up that drop him. He'd fire up that rocket. And uh, he would go, thank you, dear. You're brilliant. And so this was like 1947. And so uh, he uh, they'd drop him, drop him at about 40,000. He'd fire up the X1, and he would get up to 500 miles an hour, 600 miles an hour. And then he'd get up 650, and then that thing would start to rattle and shake violently. And so he would... Pull back and then they would land and then they would make adjustments to the wings. Then they'd take him back up again and he'd try to get up to 700 and it'd start, you know, shaking and so he'd land. And so, but the day he broke the sound barrier was he had just been riding his horse, got thrown off of his horse. He was racing, his was his wife or his girlfriend or something, and uh, and a tree or something knocked him off his horse and broke his ribs. And uh, so when he didn't tell the guys over him because he knew they wouldn't let him fly. So for him to be able to get into the X-1, he had to cut off a broom handle so he'd be able to close the hatch and close the door down because he had broken ribs. That's the day he broke it. You have dropped him off, he got up to 650. He got up to whatever you know, and so once he got over 700, he's flying supersonic. So the people on the ground are hearing what? They're hearing a sonic boom. So they thought he crashed, and they thought he's dead, right? And so, but he's he's now flying over 700, first man Mach one. So they asked him, what was it like? Now listen close, listen real close. He said it's like sipping lemonade on the front porch. (laughs) Because everybody else was afraid to do it because of all the fears that anybody that breaks Mach 1 will disintegrate because it's impossible to, to go that fast and survive. So he said the real barrier, come on, was not the sound barrier. He said the real barrier was in our knowledge of supersonic flight because no one had ever done it before. So we had no information about supersonic flight. So many times the real barrier that you're facing in your faith to go forward into new territory, come on, is not some unknown mystical thing, you know, that's holding you where you're at, but it's just simply a lack of revelation knowledge or a lack of knowledge. Because wherever the spirit of wisdom and revelation, and once you break that barrier, now your faith will go to that next barrier. So once he did Mach 1, guess what we're doing in about, what was it, three months later? You're on Mach 2 now. So the devil will rattle your cage at Mach 1 because he don't want you to know that you could ever go to Mach 2. I mean, and once you do Mach 2, it won't be long. You'll be doing Mach 3. Come on. Is that possible? Where's the barrier? Come on, the barrier is in your knowledge of supersonic flight. So what would be the big barrier to keep your faith from going into a a new measure, into new territory, is really Father God. I'm asking you to give unto me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God that the
2: eyes
0: of my understanding will be flooded with light so I can know the hope of your calling. I can know the inheritance that is mine. I can know what is exceeding greatness of your power towards us who believe according to the working of your mighty power which you wrought in Christ when you raised him from the dead towards us who believe. Do we have any believers in here? Yeah. Well, if you've got a spirit of faith, you are pretty much unstoppable. Amen. Praise the Lord. Spirit of faith. So when Paul said, that's what we have. No, I don't know if he had big biceps or, you know. I you don't know if he worked out, you know, and got into the room with the mirrors and, I don't know if Paul ever did that, but he had a strength way beyond, come on, the fitness world. He had an inner man's strength in his spirit. Ooh, that shipwrecks and snake bites. Come on, and stoned and left for dead, beaten with thirty-nine stripes. Come on, imagine people just don't appreciate me. Now, after you beat me with thirty-nine stripes. <laughs> And that's why some some people leave the church. They go, well, if people are like that, I'm leading. Yeah. Let me explain something to you. People are like that. Yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> No matter what church you go to, man, you're going to meet somebody that's going to knock you out of the race. Come on, but if you're looking unto Jesus, who's the author and the finisher of your faith, amen. So the spirit of faith does not make you perfect, so to speak. Come on, you could have a, a lot of areas God's still working on you. But when the spirit of faith goes, everything else goes out with it. That's right. But if you maintain a spirit of faith, come on, even if you may be disappointed in yourself, you just say, but I still have a spirit of faith. I still believe God. I believe the power of the blood of Jesus. I believe the word of God. I still believe I'm redeemed by the blood. I'm a new creature in Christ. So so you you have an attitude of faith because if you read Hebrews chapter 11, faith chapter, there's not one perfect person in the whole chapter. Do you know anything about the Bible? I mean, read Hebrews 11. There's some real misfits in there. Don't look at anybody right now, but you might qualify for Hebrews 11. I mean, you got some people in there that have had some problems. Are y'all still here? A lot of prostitute in there. Oh, I don't want to bring that up. Come
2: on,
0: Come on. you got oh, who in there. They, Noah and Moses, right? So you can have faith in God. You might be surprised who has faith in God. That may have some other problem. Don't look around the room right now. You might be surprised that people that come to church might have some problems that you may not even know about. Amen. Which is a good thing. Because <laughs> the Bible says secret things belong to the Lord. Yeah. Things that are revealed, which is his word, belongs to us. Yeah. The great thing about God is he can actually keep a secret. He ain't no blabbermouth. Yes. Are y'all still here? How many glad that you didn't go tell the Lord I needed it? And the Lord said, wait till I tell everybody about this. Yes. No, no, I mean. The... Yes. So here's what Paul says, because I know this is like just the introduction to, to what we're talking about, the spirit of faith. But an attitude, and then the attitude has to be in your voice. Yes. I believe. And I speak. Yes. And when I believe, and I, believe. And, I speak. and I speak, what do you have? I have a spirit of faith. Amen. That means you can face your fears and your failures. Come on with a spirit of faith. Amen. And the spirit of faith is going to come from what? From the word, our revelation knowledge. Amen. And so your prayer is what? What's your continual prayer? Father God, I'm asking you, how many think he would actually do it for you? All right, let's try. I mean, I might be wasting my time with some of y'all. How many of y'all think he would actually do it for you? If you If you just said, Father God, isn't God good? I mean, God loves to give you the answers that you need. Come on, the direction that you need. And so he just says, I'm just, all you have to do is ask. If you'll just ask, everybody that asks, receives. If you'll knock, everybody that knocks, door's open. Come on. And once you see you receive, he said, don't stop asking because there's a lot more on the other side of that. Father God, I'm asking you. Come on. So we're not just like just throwing ourselves on the floor, come on and saying, you know, I'm a worthless piece of whatever. You're just saying, Father God, I'm asking you to give unto me. The spirit of wisdom and revelation. Wow. How's he going to do that? Well, there's a bunch of different ways he does it. Amen. One is said that Moses laid his hands on Joshua and he got the spirit of wisdom. Well, he had served for it, he served Moses, he is positioned. He wasn't just wanting it, you know, to kind of make it make him look like he knew more than everybody else. He wanted it to, to serve. Yeah. Same thing with Solomon. I'm asking you for wisdom. And the purpose was so he could serve. Yeah. Praise right. the Lord. Praise so, Father God, I'm asking you to give me what? Wisdom. Spirit of wisdom and revelation Amen. in the knowledge of God. Amen. Woo! And it'll be so simple how he does. it. It might even be the same scripture you read 500 times. And he'll say, did you ever notice? You go, I never did notice that. So the spirit of wisdom makes it personal, very personal. All right, this is the last session here, so we won't keep you too long. But we've had fun already, huh? All right, so here's your question. Um, the spirit of faith comes from what? Revelation. Spirit of wisdom revelation. So your prayer would not be for more faith. Your prayer would be for the spirit of wisdom revelation and the knowledge of God, the eyes of your understanding being flooded with light. And so that's, the, that's where your faith is strengthened. So the ingredients of the spirit of faith, really, I believe and I speak, really it first of all uh, affects your attitude. So you don't have to be the smartest or the most talented or the best looking. If you have a spirit of faith, your attitude will open doors for you. Amen. you have a spirit of faith i mean you have an attitude of faith and you believe the best and you're declaring the best i believe and i say so that means uh, the spirit of faith would be in your in your voice amen, amen. amen. so when you're talking about the spirit of faith and, and uh, how it works Paul said that's what we have and that's really what keeps us from collapsing if you think about how much pressure he was under, and he describes it in First in, uh, and Second Corinthians, he describes the kind of adversity and the pressure that he was under. And so when Paul says, we have the same spirit of faith, we believe and therefore we speak. So he's really quoting from uh, David. And so you would see all the people with the spirit of faith You would see the list in Hebrews chapter 11. You would see, wow, throughout the Bible, the spirit of faith. And so that's really what determines whether you win or lose is the spirit of faith. Amen. Amen. And so um, the spirit of faith, I believe in, therefore I speak. So we're going to go and look at several ingredients in the spirit of faith. And I'm using this book right here, which is the quote book, because uh, we have like, 50 years, 50 years <laughs> of, um, I started preaching in, uh, on faith in uh, East Africa when I was 17. Wow. <clears throat> and so that was my, my greatest desire was to, uh, 17. So I quit playing football or we had a football team that had been undefeated for four years. And so we were very, a championship football team. <laughs> So I just quit football, and I just went to Africa. So my coach, you know, what are you, what are you doing? You know, they always call you by your last name. I don't know. Maybe you should call them by their last name. You know, they'd say, Hankins, what are you doing? Now, you know, so, I don't know, Johnson. So. <laughs> so. <laughs> coach. <laughs> had some good coaches and had some mean coaches, but we were champions. So I just quit that. I said, I'm going to go to Africa. I'm going to preach the gospel. And so uh, 17, and so praying those prayers became like a daily thing where you're uh, praying, Father God, I'm asking you spirit of wisdom. In other words, uh, the way I see the word, come on, the way I see the word, because I've read Colossians, I've read Ephesians, you know, and I've read Hebrews, I've read, but I want to see uh, that book different than I ever saw it before. And so you're praying for the Spirit of wisdom and revelation. So here I'm going to give you just a couple of these quotes here on uh, believing and speaking. So look at Mark eleven twenty three because we get a lot. Uh, studying on faith from Mark eleven twenty three, 23, where, where Jesus said, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be removed, be cast to sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he saith come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. And then he goes into verse 24. So of all the years I got to be around Dad Hagen and listen to him and uh, be friends with him, I only, got him, uh, only uh, got him to autograph one book in all those years. I just never thought about it. I thought, you know, I really want Spirit of Wisdom and Revelation. To care less about an autograph. But as I got a little bit older, I thought oh, it'd be kind of nice to have an autograph. So, so I said, "Could you sign this book for me?" And so he signed it. Uh, Mark eleven twenty three and twenty four. Kenneth E. Hagin. That's all they put on there. <laughs> and so those those uh, two scriptures really, he said, are what changed his life. So Mark eleven twenty three on how faith works, and then verse twenty four that what you desire, when you pray, (laughs) believe you receive them and you shall have them. And so imagine the possibilities of Mark 11, 23 and 24. Matter of fact, if you did not know that healing was in the atonement, you could get there from Mark 11, 23 and 24. Come on now, the theologian. If you did not even know that prosperity was in the atonement, yes. come on, you could get there for Mark 11, 23, and 24. Come on, because faith has never been done away with, cannot be done away with, because that's how you're saved. But also, he said, whosoever have whatsoever. Yeah. Right. So I know he was not mistaken. He said what he meant, and he meant what he said. So... So when Dad Hagen, uh he started teaching on that. So, I, so I'm my father, God, I'm asking you, give unto me the spirit of wisdom, revelation, the knowledge of God. Huh. Hmm. So this got a lot of these quotes came out of there. So I can't give you all of them, but I'll give you a few of them. Yeah. Um, this is uh, your faith may not prevent all mountains, but it will move all mountains. In other words, don't be surprised at the mountains that show up. Because yeah. sometimes people think if they have faith, they ain't going to have no mountains. Well, your faith was designed for mountains. <laughs> you know, your faith was designed to move the mountains. And if it was God's will for the mountain to be there, he wouldn't tell you to move it. So uh, so if, you, if what you have in life is totally up to God, he never would have even said Mark 11, 23 and 24. According to your faith, so be it unto you. I mean, even as far as you know how long you live and the quality of your life. So um, then he said this to me: He said, "The authority of the believer is not just available; it is necessary." You know why? Because once you start reading Mark eleven twenty three and twenty four, you are like, "This is some phenomenal possibilities." Well, the Lord said, it's more than just a possibility. Right, so he said, it's not just something that's available. Tell people this is available. He said, this is absolutely necessary or the devil will take advantage of you if you don't exercise your authority. Yeah. Yeah. So it's one thing that the grace message, which I love because of knowing who you are in Christ is a major part of, of grace the grace of God. But that's one thing the grace message cannot do is it cannot resist the devil for you. <laughs> in other words, Jesus did all this stuff, right? That's amazing grace. But he ain't going to resist the devil for you. you have to resist the devil yourself and you'll have to resist him steadfast in the faith. In other words, you will have to resist him. God ain't going to do it for you. So then Dad Hagen came along and said, "Uh, did you ever notice uh, the Lord said that it says say three times and believe only once? He goes, I never noticed that. He turned over there and said, he counted. I say say three times believe only once. And so the Lord told him, you'll have to do three times more teaching on the saying part (laughs) than you do on the believing part or people will never get it. Come on, imagine that he taught on it for 65 years. Right? And finally, now it's affected not just word of faith people. I think he's the most famous, Dad Hagan's the most famous preacher in Nigeria. And he never went there. If you're stuck in traffic in Lagos, Nigeria, They'll be walk. They'll be working that traffic, selling everything from mattresses to uh, anything you can't imagine. What they'll be selling walking down that traffic? Cause traffic will be there for hours, you know. And you got what um, thirty million people living in a town designed for five million. So the traffic is. So they're walking up and down there, and guess what? They also walk up. They're carrying. Kenneth Hagin's books up and down the freeway so you can buy one of them. Everybody knows Kenneth Hagin. So what in the world happened with a little guy, come on, that had a little tiny churches, and the Lord told him, go teach my people faith. Come on. He said, go teach my people faith. And he stuck with it for 65 years. And so we have a pastor friend that was with Dad Hagan having lunch and uh, years ago. And, and, uh, and they said one of the other preachers at the table asked Dad Hagan, said, exactly kind of what was it or what happened uh, for your ministry to really become big? Like, what was the turning point when your ministry really became so big? And so Dad Hagan, he said, uh, I don't know. He said, I never wanted a big ministry. Well, that makes all the other preachers kind of shut up. They're kind of like. He said, I, never wa- I just wanted to obey God. I just wanted to do what he told me to do. He said, I didn't care how big it gets. Are y'all still here? So, so you can, people looking for the wrong thing when really you should just be saying, "Lord, just use me however you choose." Amen. And if you want me to just tell people to say, 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 believe, if you just want me to do that to one or two people, praise the Lord! I'll be glad to do that. If you want it on a bigger scale, you know that's your business. All right. Are y'all still here? Come on now. All right. And here's another one I got. It says, um, "I got this from." Acts 16 and 25. So I put Mark 11:23, Acts 16, 25 together, and it says something like this. As long as I can move my mouth, I can move a mountain. So Acts 16, 25 is where Paul and Silas are in prison, and at midnight, what happened? Their hands are bound, their feet are bound, but at midnight, what they do? They lifted their voice began to pray and sing praises to God. While they were singing praises, the power of God came down, shook the whole prison. The doors came open. All the chains came off just while they were praising God. Amen. So I thought, well, when I get to heaven, I want to check out that video, Paul and Silas in prison. How many think you might get to look at some videos and get to him? I want to check out that video and, and see kind of how that happened. And so I imagine Paul and Silas, you know, in prison at midnight, their backs are bleeding. Come on, their hands are bound, their feet are bound. And I can imagine them, they're just sitting there at midnight, miserable, in pain. And Paul saying, all right, devil, come on, you got my hands bound. You got my feet bound. You got my back bleeding. But devil, you made one major mistake. You should have taped my mouth shut. Because <laughs> as long as I can move my mouth, come on, I can move a mouth. In other words, in other words, the the speaking part of faith, and even the praising part of faith, that Abraham became strong in faith, giving glory to God, fully persuaded what God had promised, he's able to perform. So the mouth. If you can, if your faith is not strong enough to move your mouth, yes. then it will never move a mouth. Yes. So it kind of becomes a major part of believing and speaking, spirit of faith, the saying part of faith, that if your faith is not strong enough, come on, yeah, that's right. or you could even say it this way, if you are silent, you will lose by default. Yeah. Yeah. There's no such thing as silent faith. Are y'all still here? So so that means the speaking part, the confessions of your faith, as well as Hebrews 13, 15. Y'all know Hebrews 13, 15? Y'all don't know Hebrews 13, 15? I thought this was a Bible school. Y'all don't know Hebrews 13, 15? It's on the wall now. All right. So it says, by him, talking about what Jesus has done for us. In him, through him, by him, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name continually come on confessing and praising our lips moving continually giving thanks to his name there must be tremendous power in you just lifting your voice and saying thank you Lord I want to give you praise I give thanks unto you Lord you are my father God thank you Lord for the blood I'm redeemed by the blood no matter how you feel you just start lifting your voice and 2 Chronicles 20, verse 20 says what? 20, 21, 22. So, y'all know that, right? There's still a Bible school. Second Chronicles 20, 21, 22. What does it say? It says their enemies are on every side of them. And what happened? When they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against their enemies. In other words, they weren't even finished. They just got started singing praise. And while they're praising God, God said, I can take it from here. And he said, ambushments against their enemies. 2 Chronicles 20 verse 22. So you see the speaking part, the voice of faith. Let's try it one more time. I said the voice of faith, yes. the sound of faith that you your mouth must be moving because everything happens in this world by speaking. Amen. All right, let's try it one more time. In other words, God said, come on, somebody's going to have to say something. And so you got the word of God, which, come on, the word of God was what? It was, this way the Lord said it to me when I was preaching 30 years ago, he said, He said, the word of God is a spoken thing. That it was spoken before it was written. And it was written so it could be spoken. In other words, we have, it is written, but Jesus resisted the devil with a it is written voice. In other words, he said, and he said, and so the word in your mouth, come on, mouth to mouth resuscitation with God. So when you take the word put it in your mouth. Come on Romans chapter 10. The word of faith is near you. It is in your mouth. Your answer is in your mouth. Matter of fact you start praising God and your answer will come right out of your mouth and you'll tell yourself what you're supposed to be doing. Are y'all still here? In other words uh, Dad Hagan, we were talking about the other day, he, they built Rama the first year they built Ramah, he really only wanted a Bible school, maybe fifty students. you know and ended up having thousands of students. but it, you know he was just thinking, well, we'll get fifty people and train them, you know he ended up I think the first year might have had 75 or something like that. So but the way he started Ramah was he was preaching and it came right out of his mouth. We're going to start a Bible school. And so after he, after he finished preaching, then somebody came up to him and said, Yo, when are you going to start that Bible school? He said, I'm not starting no Bible school. They said, yeah, you are. You just said you're going to start a Bible school. Why are you doing that? He said, did I say that? <laughs> Come on, your faith may be coming right out of your mouth, go out ahead of you. Amen. To... Amen. So the saying or the speaking part of faith, say, 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 so... I like to do what? I like to do like uh, I belong to what? The faith gang, you know. So have if, if you ever br- seen Brother Hagin, a picture of Dad Hagin, and, and it's like this? Y'all never seen? Y'all never seen that picture? I've got one up in, in my office, I think. So it's just like this. And you know what he's talking about. He's talking about Mark eleven twenty three. It says, say three times, believe one. That's exactly what he's talking about, the saying part of faith. Yeah. Huh. Right? So I used to, you know, get all these pictures taken with minister, you know, and he had <laughs> tattoos everywhere, and he had all, all these different finger signs, you know, like <laughs> gang signs, you know. I'm like, what you doing with them fingers and stuff there? Don't we be just putting them fingers up there in front of me? I don't, I don't know what your fingers are doing. <laughs> So I said, all right, we're going to do our own gang sign. Yeah. So we're just going to do three say, 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 believe. We're going to call this the faith gang.
2: <laughs>
0: Come on. And say, devil, try to whoop this. Come on, we got to say, 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 and the believe, and we got authority as a believer. Come on. <laughs> Come on, tattoo or no tattoo, you can That's whoop right. the devil with Mark 11 Amen. So the saying part, amen, the believing part, what I do in my book. This one's got my name on it, so don't try to steal this one here. All right, let's look at this, because spirit of wisdom revelation, our faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So really, faith comes by how you hear. Son Mark. Uh, chapter, what is it, four, Jesus said, be careful how you hear because how you hear is going to determine what you have. And then Jesus said something pretty radical. He said, and to him that hath shall more be given. And to the person that hath not, he's going to lose what he's got. Well, it sounds like Jesus is a capitalist, not not a socialist. (laughs) (laughs) In other words, he said to him that hath, Come on, so you're going to have to receive the word to the point that you actually hear and you have, not trying to get it, but you say, I got it. I have, and he's talking about revelation knowledge there in Matthew 13, 12. He's talking about revelation knowledge. To him that hath, God said, I'm going to show you more stuff. Amen. If you have not, he said, the devil even steal what you got. So, so, how you here? All right, so in the spirit of Facebook, I uh, heard the story many years ago about the, about the, during the days of the Depression, where there, everybody needed a job and there's only one job available. And it was, uh, they needed someone that knew Morse code in this job. So they had people lined up down the street trying to get an interview for this one job. And finally, they said, we don't have to keep interviewing people. So they just tapped it out in Morse code. And it said, if you can hear this, come into my office right now and you have the job. So everybody's standing in line. And one person runs past everybody, goes straight in the boss's office. He comes out and says, he got the job. Everybody says, well, that ain't fair. I mean, he cut in line and everything got ahead of us. And they said, well, let me explain what happened. I tapped it out. If you can hear this because I need somebody that knows Morse code. So what God does a lot of times, you know, rather than interview everybody, he just taps it out. If you can hear this, come up now and join my office and I'm going to give you the job. So how you hear, are y'all still here? So how you hear, come on, when the word is being taught, how you hear. And you can tell when people hear. Because they're like, you mean like right now? (laughs) And they respond differently because they hear what the Holy Spirit's saying, and they hear, or they get revelation knowledge. And once they hear, it goes right into possession immediately. Praise the
2: Lord. Lord.
0: So kinda of, here's the way the Lord said to me. He said, How you receive the word will determine your results. How you receive the word. Amen. Amen. How you hear. It's amazing you could have a hundred people. Yeah. What percentage are actually going to hear? Because that's the source of your faith, is how you hear. And so, uh, Dad Hagin described it this way. He asked the Lord, he said, well, how come some people never get any results? And he said the Lord gave him what that is, uh, 1 Corinthians 3, 6 and 7. And it says, uh, I planted Apollos watered and God gave the increase. So, he said, how come some people never get increase They don't get results? And here's what the Lord told him. He said, the first time you hear the word is the planting. But the repetition the second, third, tenth time you hear the word is the watering. He said, the reason some people don't ever get increase or results is they reject the watering process. But no matter how good the seed is and how good the ground is, if it's not watered, it will not produce increase. So how would you reject the watering process? Well, the first time you hear the word, you kind of get thrilled. You're like, wow. But then the second time, 10th time, 100th time, you kind of start acting like you already know that. All right, so here's here's the way it happened to me. Um, I mean, because I was very diligent and, and when Dad Hagen came along teaching faith, and that would include... Uh, knowing who you are in Christ, you know, knowing your identification with Christ and knowing how faith works. So I was very diligent, 17, 18, 19, very diligent. So he could he could start a story and I could finish it. So, I mean, I'm following him pretty close because yeah. I'm, I'm still wanting to learn. But I went to one of his meetings in Tulsa when I was probably about, I can't remember, 20, 21, 22. So I went to one of his meetings and he started teaching and I I can remember sitting there and in my mind I was saying, I'm sure glad he's teaching on this because all these people here really need to hear this. Uh, That's what's going on in my mind. I'm so glad these people here, they really need to hear this. And then the Lord said to me, you think you already know it. He said, and if you will humble yourself, I will show you things about faith you have never seen before. Wow, wow. I said, I'm getting down right now, Lord. I'm with myself. So to receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save, deliver, heal your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, your personality. In other words, the word engrafted and it's in its engrafted form. How are you going to receive it? Are you going to receive it with meekness or are you going to just sit there and act like I'm sure glad he teached on that? So these other people here, I'm so glad they're here. They really need to hear that. Come on. Are you going to say thank you, Lord? Because I'm getting some water in right now. I said, I'm getting some water in. Come on, that's going to produce increase in my life. Yes. praise the Lord. So how else would you receive the word? Well, Paul says Thessalonians, you receive the word not like a man was talking to you, but like God was talking to you. Yeah. So how are you going to receive the word when somebody's teaching or preaching? Are you going to receive the word like God's talking to you instead of saying, oh, so-and-so said this tonight? You say, no, that's that's what the Lord said to me. So here's the way the Lord says to me, right? He said, you don't always have to try harder, but you do need to receive the word better. All right, let's try that again. Come on. He said, you don't always just have to try harder. He said, but if you'll receive the word better, the word will do the work. All right, let's try it one more time. Come on. So, in other words, sometimes people say, "Well, I'm not getting results, so I'm just need to try. I need to try harder." He said, "No, just receive the word better, because the word is what does the work." Oh, y'all. So in other words, everything you need for life and godliness is in that word, already there. And so, how you receive that word will determine your results. So sometimes you just gotta say. All right, now, I need results in this area. So instead of just me trying to produce it, I just humble myself. God, I'm asking you, give me further light and revelation in the Word on that subject, and then give me application. Woo, man, praise the Lord. All right, here's another one. Uh, we don't have much time left here, but I'm, I'm, I've only got, ooh, 20 more pages. So... <laughs> So I was studying on faith one time, I realized that Jesus only marvelled twice. Cuz it says he marvelled in Mark chapter 6. He marvelled at what? Their unbelief. He marvelled, he was like So they must not have seen him marvel much. Cuz when he marvelled, they wrote it down. Look, he's marveling so if he was marveling and he never marveled before but he's marveling now then he must have looked different when he marveled than when he did marvel so if he marveled he must have done what he must have went (laughs) so if he marveled only twice what, what made him marvel? He marveled at their unbelief in Mark chapter 6. The second time he marveled is in Matthew chapter 8 when the centurion said, Speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. And Jesus did what? He marveled. He said, I hadn't heard nothing like this in this whole nation. You said, what did that do? I mean, Jesus does marvel. He just don't marvel a lot. you could actually make him marvel yourself (laughs) and so when he marveled he marveled at their unbelief and then you can see right there and Jesus went about the cities and the villages teaching so the cure for that unbelief was teaching so Jesus was not just a healer he was a teacher so that means if you didn't pay attention while he's teaching All right, let's try this out over here. uh, You probably ain't gonna get your healing if you ain't paying attention while he's teaching. Yeah, I got you. Because he's a teacher, so while he's teaching, and so the cure for that unbelief is teaching. So Dad Hagen said there's two kinds of unbelief. Number one is lack of knowledge, right? And the cure for lack of knowledge is teaching the word. So there's only two kinds of unbelief. One is what, lack of knowledge or ignorance. The second kind of unbelief is, Dad Hagen said, is what? Unpersuaded to act on the Word. In other words, that kind of unbelief is people really know what the Word says, but they're not going to do it. They're not persuaded to act on the Word. So how would you cure the second kind of unbelief? usually the second kind of unbelief is what a lot of church people have because they've been sitting there hearing the word for 20 years. But the only part of the word that'll work for you is if you act on it. So they're unpersuaded to act act on it. (laughs) So how will you cure? Well, you really deal with the first kind of unbelief a little different than the second kind. The first kind is people just ignorant. So you treat ignorant people pretty nice. But people that know and are unpersuaded to act on it, usually you can get a little bit rough. <laughs> Even the Holy Spirit can get a little bit rough. Like, when are you going to act on the Word? Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Y'all still here? When are you going to yeah. act like the Bible is true? Woo, Amen. man. And so both kinds of unbelief are curable. So the Lord said to me, if unbelief is curable, there's nothing that is incurable. <laughs> all right, anyway, praise the Lord. <laughs> so, so you cannot find something that's incurable if unbelief is curable, because he said, if you can believe all things are possible in that belief, so if unbelief is curable. Whatever condition you got, yes. it's curable. Yes. Praise the Lord. Praise so you got the word, the way he receive the word. And last of all, let me give you this because I've got five more minutes. Last of all is Paul says this. Building up yourself on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Y'all still here? So. So you got the way you receive the word, and yet here he says, you've got the Holy Spirit living in you. And when you pray in the Holy Spirit, yes. come on, your spirit is edified. But then he says, and you are building up yourself. Our one translation says, you enrich your faith praying in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Amen.
2: Hallelujah.
0: Man, that's why the devil will do everything he can to stop you from praying in the Holy Ghost. Why? Because your spirit, by the Holy Spirit, is being charged up and enriching your faith. Y'all still here? So the illustration I use for praying in the Holy Ghost in relation to your faith is I use this and I tore it out of a book somebody gave me many years ago. And it's called uh, How Nuclear Power Works so they gave me a book on how stuff works, you know, like a diesel engine works, how air conditioner works. And so some people don't care about that, but I kind of like to know how stuff works sometimes. Yeah. I don't want to just know it works. I'd like to know how it works because if it stopped working, then I'd be able to fix it. Yeah. Well, but I became attracted immediately to this one called how nuclear power works. I thought, hmm, I'm not planning on making a nuclear bomb, but I'd sure like to know how one works. Because it is pretty impressive, you know, if anybody tries to mess with you, and you say, you don't have a nuclear bomb. Yes. So if they pull out a pistol, you're like, it's pretty much worthless when I have a nuclear bomb. <laughs> so so let me see if I can get this right because I haven't said that. So how nuclear power works. Number one is it's made out of uh, the common substance. The common substance for a nuclear bomb is uranium-235. The reason uh, that uranium two hundred and thirty five is used is because it can undergo induced fission, which means you can basically light it when you want. Amen. You don't want something uncontrollable, you know, go off while you're working on. You want something that has a trigger. You know, you say, "I can push this button here." In other words, so you can you can uh, detonate it when you want. So. They said, once, once uranium-235 is the substance that a nuclear bomb is made out of, is the substance. So you can't really make a nuclear bomb out of stuff, you know, kind of laying around the garage. That's true. Praise the Lord. <laughs> All right, I got I a used truck back there. So you got to have the right substance. Y'all still here? Then, so for for this this substance, once it undergoes induced fission, it releases an immense amount of energy, gamma, radiation, heat. The process occurs in a picosecond. All right, so in a picosecond, which is, I didn't know what it was, but it is, one million of a millionth of a second. So I don't know if you're concerned about how long it's going to take for you to receive from God. He said a picosecond, you could actually receive from God in a picosecond. It ain't going to take you thirty-eight years because Jesus already paid it all. So just so he says for this uh, uranium two hundred thirty-five, he said for it to become. Um, Uh, explosive, then it must be enriched over 90% enriched. If you only enrich it to 2%, then it can be used for like civilian generators and electricity at 2% enriching. But if it ever gets enriched to 96%, then it becomes a nuclear bomb. So it's the same substance, it's just enriched from 2% to 96%. What if faith is the substance? Right. Right. Come on. So now you've got the substance that Amen. the that the nuclear bomb is made out of, but the enriching process will take it from just keeping the lights on yeah. to destroying the works of the devil. In other Amen. words, now you enrich your faith by praying in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Woo. All right. So then it only takes one pound, about this much, of uranium-235 to run a nuclear submarine for 25 years. So imagine Jesus when he started talking about faith. He said, all you really need is about the size of a mustard seed. Because this is some powerful stuff. He said it created a whole world with it and you don't have to have a lot of it, but if you just had enough like a mustard seed, if it ever gets detonated in about a picosecond, things are going to change in your life. <laughs> are y'all still here? So you've got the Word, meditating on the Word enriches your faith. And you got praying in the Holy Ghost will enrich your faith. Woo, man. You become dangerous. Hallelujah. Come on up here, Pastor. We went long enough tonight. Amen. I don't know. We could stay here maybe till midnight. Come on. Talk about the Word. Praise the Lord. Man. Man. How many of y'all are going to pray in the Holy Ghost? God bless you. Thank you.
1: <laughs> we hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church.